0: When I came to Faisalabad, I actually did in my first year, Tisha and his brothers, a very disastrous production. <laughs> and the next year, a fellow teacher said, Well, write a play about what's going on in the school. And I asked students, and they came up with the idea of
1: pregnancy. On this week in Talking Plays with Playwrights, we sit down with Trinidadian born playwright Zeno Obi Constance as he discusses his play, The Ritual. Have a listen. Enjoy.
2: It is often said that art imitates life. To what extent was the ritual and imitation of life at that time in Trinidad and Tobago?
0: Well, it was a very popular situation. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it hasn't changed. And mm-hmm. In fact, I said a few years ago that as long as um, teenage students are getting pregnant, the play will, be, will, the play will remain very relevant. It was there. And I think that maybe the style I used... Um, helped to to, um, to bring out the topic, to to illustrate the theme, and therefore, um, but it was life. In fact, I I I actually used some real life situations in writing the play, so it was definitely imitating life, and in a sense, the other way around too. Was definitely imitating what I had seen, what was taking place, and what the students were saying um, was a topic or a theme or an idea that 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 was important to them at that point in time.
2: What I like is the fact that it's an all-girl cast. Some other participants wanted to know why you chose to focus on a, on a female, a solid female okay. casting. Yeah.
0: Well, um, I find when I normally speak about the play, <laughs> I, 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 I burst some bubbles. Because in fact, it's not a not an original or great. When I call the Jama meeting, only girls came to the meeting, I had about nine and some survived. I mean, the six um, in the play survived and the others dropped out. But there were no boys, despite the fact that half the school, uh, half the students are male. So it was I had no choice. I would write a play for girls. And then later on that, just, you know, within the, the drama group in school over the years, they generally 75, 80, 90 percent female anyway. Mm-hmm. But this year, not not one single male student had turned up. So there's That's no magic in, in the idea. It does <laughs> <that.
1: laughs> I was forced to go that way.
2: You said by fate. <laughs> uh, yes.
1: uh one one thing that had had popped out, and and someone had stated that the style of multiple role play has seemingly become a, a part, a trademark of yours, and and they wanted to know how how that happened. Did it happen by accident? Was it intentional? And why did why did you keep it? after
0: I, all this time. It certainly was intentional. But as I tell people now, I did not invent the idea. It came from two plays I had seen. Well, one I had seen and one I had studied. When I was at UE, we studied Jose Trianas, the criminals. Mm-hmm. And, played, right? and, and in fact, it was in Spanish. Part of my Spanish course. So that helped the mistake because I couldn't understand everything. But I know there were three... Um, three um, children who Beba, Lalo, Cuckoo, who either killed their parents and going through the trauma or planning oh. to kill them. And they took all the roles. They, they, they were the, the, the children, the parents, the police, the judge, and so on. Mm. And when I began to write well that was in my mind because I had studied the play. But also important, I had seen um, a Roald Gibbons production of the, uh, echo in the bone, and that blew my mind. In fact, I, so much that I went back the second night to watch it again. And that role changing there's not much, but there's enough. You know, the father and the son, and and so on. And, and I said, I could do a play using that method. It was new to um, school festival, definitely, not totally to adult. drama, mind showing that, but definitely to new to um the schools. So it, it, mm-hmm. it was a blue mine original idea when it came out um, in November of 1978. Mm-hmm. So I used that and then I, I kept the idea for a few more plays as well. those mm-hmm. yeah, no short ones, but I didn't originate the idea. I just kind of localized it from
1: um, Triana and Dennis Scott echoing the ball. What, what is actually also interesting is the fact that n- with few exceptions, the principal characters, the students do not have any names. Was there a particular reason for that? Well, that is because in in most of my plays, almost all,
0: I write the play and then I give it a name. So what I was doing, as in most of those early one act plays I've done, is write lines. I I don't have any characters next to the line. I just write lines. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting thing because when it's finished, I put numbers to the lines just for the girls to rehearse. Mm. And, and that idea stayed there. So, when people now say, you know, they, ha- they are numbers until they become names, until they become understanding of their role in helping Omega, again, it was just that I used the, the, um, the lines. I, and in fact, it was years later, I think in the year 2000, only then I realized that even though I have five girls in the play, the play can work with four, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's good yes. cool, with it. Yeah, like, there's only one scene, that is the police scene when Omega and Michael and etc. on the block in the second half of the play. That you have a you might need the fifth person, but you can get around that. In fact, if you look at the play carefully, there, there are times when any of those people could take almost any line. And all those early scenes, I uh, identify number one, because Isadora was very strong. But number two to five, two could take four lines and four could take two. Anybody could have said, you know, omega, go enough yeah. Who say that? <laughs> yeah. So the, the, in that, that's what, it wasn't a, well, it wasn't a visionary. It was just that um, I wrote it that way. Right. And, the, and the idea of the names at the end came up because when we went to the, to the, um, to the festival and did the first curtain call, they got up and said, you know, this teacher says, stand and give your names. And they use the names. And therefore, I, I wasn't aware that I was making that transition from numbers to names, from nothing to something.
2: You're enjoying the episode. We're glad. But remember, tell your tribe so they can join the vibe. And locked on to Talking Plays with Playwrights, The Yeda Combos. I, I always tell people,
0: when I'm discussing uh, plays, that the, the writer doesn't know what he's writing, you know. Mm. Critics understand it better. <laughs> you know, I write based on my personal and collective experience and so on. Mm-hmm. And then people see all kind of thing that I did not write. But mm. they're there Because they see it, and they discuss it, and I sometimes say, wait, that's what I, they say I write? Yeah, write that. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, interesting kind of backward thing, but so, yeah, the numbers were just there, and then I said, I'll leave it because there's no need to change it now. Mm-hmm. And we, we work with that. Good fortune, really.
2: We have a, um, a Sarah from Trinidad asking the question, why doesn't Omega get the chance to tell her own tale at some point beyond the role play?
0: No, you know, I wrote the play in 1978, and it wasn't until 2013-14, somewhere around there, one of my colleagues pointed out to me that Omega never enters the play. I didn't even think about that. So this question here is interesting that why doesn't get a chance to say, um, based on what I said before about using the, Triana's criminals and then and, and Scott's uh, according to the to frame the idea, the her, her words are done by the others because they all take turns in becoming Omega to understand. So I didn't need to put Omega's, Omega actually into the production. And I never even thought about that. I never thought that she was missing until that was pointed out to me almost 30 years later by somebody who was smarter than me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you could see these things that I never thought about.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: that's why. And I don't think, I, I mean, I don't know that you need to let the character be there. Right. I mean, because they, they, they say so much about the character that you could create an idea for me guys because of what they do. The Mm. um, the, the five students, surely she doesn't get a chance to say for herself, which is about the the, the, the highest level of understanding character, Mm -hmm. you know, what people say about you, what what you say and what you do. But that that is it.
2: Mm. We have a a Christopher here. He wants to know why the name Omega.
0: All right, more bubbles to burst. There are two (laughs) things in that. If you get to the end of the first half of the play, you will see the whole idea of Omega the beginning and at the end, and the idea of the Greek alphabet, what Omega and Alpha and what Omega represents. Yeah. And what kind of thing. That had nothing to do initially with the name. Mm. Omega came from a, a girl, in stu- a student named Omega Alexander. And I was coming down the corridor just before I started writing the play when I threw it and I, asked, and I saw her on the bench and I said, hey, that name Unique, I, that name going in my play. Mm. Now I had written the entire play before that, there's a section at the end of part one, you know, that 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 um soliloquy when number one says, we is "All of ways Omega, all our get girls together," uh, you know, you know that's an um 400 years not be playing Omega, etc. etc. Mm-hmm. That was written after the play was done. We were ourselves, and when I realized that Isadora Johnson could act, really act, I say, you know, I could put some more lines that are heavier, and I don't know if people ever recognize that. That in fact, those lines, compared to the other lines in the play, cannot really be said by any of the characters, any of the would-be Omegas. Mm. That, that is my lines that I put in her mouth. And it's, 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 it is much heavier and more poetic. And, you know, I mean, to say 400 years, um, Omega, since we step off them slave ship. That is not that is not. either of the girls talking or Omega herself. Mm. So I put it in there because I realized it could give the player that lift. And create the end. And in fact, in the very first production, when she finishes that thing, I actually used to break the line. And she would say to the audience, the end of part one. (laughs) Because she was making a speech almost outside of her character, you know, of the person playing Omega. She was saying things that came out of my sensibilities, Mm. my whole black consciousness and so on and so at the end she said end of part one she has somewhere to go because she's mm. breaking the um, the fourth wall but and that's what I use I, and that was used a couple of times and really it is not in the written script anymore uh, mm. so people don't use it mm. so that, that that was the reason so the omega thing is um, a mystery and a nothing that's Omega alexander <laughs> <This> was, <happened. laughs> yeah and i just like the name and it, it, it and working backwards it begin to make sense at the end when i wrote in those parts mm-hmm.
2: hey tribe. You know you can't keep it to yourself. You must tell a friend. Are you guys following us on Instagram or Facebook? Remember to do so at Theatre Convos to find out more information about theatre practitioners in Barbados and around the region.
1: In Barbados, for example, I'm not sure if it happens in Trinidad, There is, or rather based on, on the dialogue, there is this distinction between older secondary schools and newer secondary schools. And I wondered... In the section of the play where the mother is talking about the father, she told the father not to send her to these junior secondary schools. Were you tr- were you making a statement about this this distinction between the newer and the older secondary schools, or was that just no? Imp-
0: th- that was a conscious statement. That was um, a conscious. Because we will know in the uh, let's say the, f- the fifth year of these new schools. They began in nineteen seventy three. And they were called the junior secondaries, three-year schools. And then you graduate to a senior secondary, for your mm. Form 4 and Form 5. So the senior secondaries began in 76, 77, three years after the, um, the, the junior sex. The junior but because they were peopled by the weaker academic students, well, mm. um, those who didn't get to go to the, what we call here the prestige schools, or even yeah. the middle schools. That is the government middle schools. These were the lowest schools academically. Oh. And uh, for nobody wanted their children ch- 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 to go there. In fact, the reputation was so bad that there's a nickname for the junior secondary in those days. They used to call them junior sex instead of right. junior sec. Yeah, because, you know, the, because the, well, at the, at the um, surface level, right, the sexuality was more obvious in mm. those schools um in the other schools it, it might have been definitely there but hidden controlled and you know, if a girl in a prestige school in a, in a convent they're pregnant that is going to be covered easily quickly mm. right so yeah, but um that was the situation there and therefore i mean it, it doesn't change much you know people still do, do not want their children to go there that is always our last choice in fact it's not even a choice in the common entrance situation if you don't get your other choices they still be sent you to the junior secondary nearest to where you live mm. so anyway people don't choose this school the school choose them as junior secondary everything was against them and everything was against their attitude and you know they were seen as as, as dropouts and and weaker people in the system in the in the, in the education system so mm. it was sent them to that school and, and and surprisingly that is something that exists i'll I think I, I think I would feel like seventy-five to ninety percent of teachers who have children, um, they teach these schools, but they won't send their children to the same school they're teaching, because yeah, it, it, the stigma is very very strong. Yeah. And even though we have now changed the names and they are no longer called junior secondary and senior secondary, they are secondary schools. Um, there's something it, it is still there, and people yeah. you know they know. So that was a conscious statement yeah. for omega to get herself out of that situation and and the mother took to really see it as a a burden which it shouldn't really be but that's another story
2: with exploring um teenage pregnancy within the play you set the character that omega became pregnant by was a rastafarian yeah and as we know the rastafarian community was on the rise in the 70s so in this play was, as you said, it debuted in 78. Was there a specific choice for selecting rather than a, a, a Christian, a, a guy from a, a boy from a Christian background to select a, a Rastafarian for her to be falling in love with and well, becoming impregnated by?
0: Yeah, because the Rastafarian, the Rastafarian was the outcast mm-hmm. in our society.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: In fact, in the early seventies, there were um, maybe there's two. I don't. Maybe the word commune might work, mm-hmm. right, of Rastafarians, but they were always outcasts and people. I mean, I remember seeing um, a Rasta stop a taxi, and as he opened the door, our lady came out and said, "She's not, she not travelling again," you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. So they, it's always that. So. Any 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 girl who would cross into the Rastafarian world was really going against the grain of the society. Right? You were you had to be brave because they were seen as as, as negative as people not to, to be dealt with. Um, and of course, when you when you drop your locks, you look so dread. <laughs> That's a good word um, outside the realm of normal society. So I, I think I wanted to go that far, to get Omega to go somewhere where um, she, is, she is doing something so much that the, the, against the society, against the parents, against the students and teachers in the school, mm-hmm. against the norm that she would have her own strength to go there. Mm-hmm. And, and then also it came from life. I mean, mm-hmm. actually the character I had patterned Michael after was a real, I mean, I left school the evening and saw this Rasta talking to her from four girls from school. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, her mother came to school saying she didn't wish home the night. Yeah, mother said she dreamed, got on the sheets and all kind of thing. And I realized, you know, that, she, that the girl had gone into that world. And I said, I could create out of that character.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: Rasta was, Rasta was the,
1: the ideal thing to use. I, I, I'm curious about that because I, I, what I would like to know is what were the prospects of a Rastafarian in terms of being able to get decent work to be able, let's say to lift himself out of poverty, because the message I'm getting too from the play is that Omega being in poverty and then falling in love with somebody who doesn't have any prospects of excelling. Was that another statement that you were making in terms of the social, of what's happening socially? Well, it was, but
0: (laughs) that was, that is real. I mean, I don't know, I don't know, you know, they, stay, they say, and, and, and um, I'm talking after people, so don't blame me. They yeah. say that girls like bad bad men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And an attract, there's an attraction <laughs> somewhere there. An attraction, I could go where you can go. And, um, but I've seen it happen in terms of, you know, I've, I've seen girls from the school going there. So it wasn't so much that Omega would worry about what are his prospects of getting a work. You don't, you, you don't think about that, you know is that I, ha- I like this man and I like him even more because no one else from mother to father to teacher approves of him. And that disapproval makes me stronger. I'm going to keep going until I get sense which might be years later and then she might regret it. But she might mm. because I have, I have I also know some of those relationships work very well. Um, and You know, they work out. Mm -hmm. I can't say what percentage. I never studied that way, but I don't. Some work, and some just didn't.
2: Mm -hmm. The play was staged in 1978. Did you stage it any time in between there and along the way? Um, Or what was when was the most recent staging that you would have seen?
0: It might have been 20 or 2015, I think.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. All the people did it after that. um, What I have seen... But the play is, is always done at for production exam for CSEC so very often the last time my school did it was 2013
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, but in between um, the ritual has been produced i think 18 or 19 times at the school's festival here it is mm-hmm. the most produced play and then wow. it has been everywhere
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, everywhere that i don't always know um, but there's a there's a theater thing that we don't really meddle with the writer. Melina Rich Banana Banana Boat Productions in New York has always informed me when she goes to do the plays. But the others, whether it's schools festival locally, Caribbean schools, any festivals in Jamaica, Barbados, Stalawa. I, I only find out afterwards.
2: Hey Tribe. You know you can't keep it to yourself. You must tell a friend. Are you guys following us on Instagram or Facebook? Remember to do so at Theatre Convos to find out more information about theatre practitioners in Barbados and around the region.
1: Out of curiosity, uh, it's been noted that the play has the title The Ritual and also Friday Morning First Period. We have a question from Sonia Williams and she asks, why do you call the play The Ritual? As a playwright, do you identify more than one ritual in the play?
0: No, the ritual have nothing to do with a ritual. In the theme itself, in, in what is happening in the play, actually, it came from an idea i had seen when I was still at UE, the opening of the movie version of Jesus Christ Superstar, in which the characters come in this bus into this desert-like place, and they take the we cross off the top of the bus and they, we bring the boxes with the costume and they set up the stage and, and all these cafes and, and then they begin to act. So mm. when I was doing the play, what we had, had actually done was that the characters, the students in the play would bring on the props, the tables yes. and the chairs. And I used Bob Marley's Running Away. And that movement, I say, wait, man, that's a, that looking like a ritualistic movement. I'll call the play the ritual. Sorry for all those who thought I had some big idea. <laughs> that. Now, what is interesting is that what are the rituals in they play? I've I, I heard it ask when students studying, studying in school, the teachers ask them, where are the rituals in the play? They can't ask me because I didn't mm. see none, didn't put none except that for the movement on top.
2: Mm. But
0: interestingly enough from St. Vincent, um, I'll give you two examples. A fur called Jekyll Mars, teaching in Saint Vincent, he did a, a, a ritual. And he had this whole elaborate ritual at the beginning. He used the uh, the, the, the Roman Catholic Mass with all ah. his movement and all that. And I asked him how we get to that idea because I had never done that after the initial play. In the first production, we did it. After that, we never used that idea, you know, the mm-hmm. characters bringing the pups on stage again. And mm-hmm. he said to me that there were some lines in this on this by the first and second pages, which give me the idea that is this ritual they're going through. Mm-hmm. And I say, that, you know, it was original in his mind because I had never, no one after the first two arm productions in, in, back in 1978 had seen that, that use
2: mm-hmm. of the
0: ritualistic movement. And then I, in Trinidad, saw, um, saw not, did our version of the ritual, which they did there definition of a ritualistic thing which is the, the five girls get up in the morning and they go through their their ritualistic you know having breakfast what one i'm um, changing clothes one is washing you know yeah. they, washing their teeth all of these what we know that as a ritualistic thing in the morning for for, for students okay. getting ready to go to school mm-hmm. so they use that before they actually get to uh, jordan going for queen show but I had not seen any of those in my mind. I had only known the physical ritual of moving these things on stage in that manner. Now, the, the Friday morning first period was to keep it tied on, pinned down to what was taking place in the play because the play actually took place on a Friday morning during the, the first period. I don't think anybody remembers that name again. No. Oh. <laughs> oh.
2: Interesting. do again.
0: Yeah, it was just there. In fact, I had a few plays Using that concept, Death Row in Nightmare Continues, You know that kind of name, a second name then, fly-through fantasy or the mark of the beast yes. because of something happening in the play. But the original, that first name in my plays normally has nothing to do with the, with the um, action in the play. Now I just find something sounds nice and it's, it can work and I take a chance.
1: Which is interesting that, that you said that because I, I, I was curious if, because when you were speaking earlier, when Janelle had asked you about other stagings of the play, I was curious if you had ever seen a staging of the play that they the director's play. vision, yeah, the director's vision was something totally outside of what you would have had in mind that took you by surprise. Yeah, no, surprise. I have seen many,
0: many rituals. Some of them were just fantastic. Yeah, I, I can give a couple. Um, Sean Smart in Bishop Trinity in in, in Trinidad.
1: Yes, I know Sean I, Smart.
0: Who he, he, right. he yeah. right he created a ritual where the girls are actually in the savannah in the stand and a carnival day watching nice. the Carolina bands and I thought that was amazing you know <laughs> to think nice. that he, you know that idea and then Yvonne weeks whom we all know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I reckon at school from one shot I think in 1994 ninety five 1995 somebody back in that, that time Mm -hmm. There's a thing where when the gills change, when each one becomes Omega, they pass on a piece of cloth and the cloth is symbolic of almost saying, well you are becoming Omega now, take the burden. And that was to me fantastic. I didn't see the Omega the Musical in, in England, and I, I, I'm still in trouble as to how they did that play as a full-legged musical.
2: Mm-hmm. Even
0: though for what we call Best Village in Trinidad, which is the folk productions, at least two villages over the years have done the ritual. And the Best Village mandates you to have song and dance. Mm-hmm. So they must have been doing plenty dance and plenty singing.
2: So we have a, a Wayne Deming. He says, today, ritual. the ritual is highly appreciated. But in 1979, in Trinidad experience, it was controversial. How do you account for this transformation? What
0: happened is that the, play, the language of the play, there are some things there that people didn't like. Now, coming out of the secondary school, the the black secondary school, the, the senior sec, that language didn't mean not to anybody because we were all accustomed to it. So the words and the idea of true away aware child and the, the use of a little ass and yeah. and so on. And then that, you know, down to the, some of those didn't make, didn't make no, no, um, make no ways with the school, nor at the festival. But when it went, on to te- it went on television, national television in January, 1979, as the winners of the festival, went to what, what, the television station used to call the play of the month. Um, apparently, a lot of people called him during the production, so much that the television station cut the production at the end of part one and just went away. And uh-huh. uh-huh. the next day, it, it created a whole wave of people writing in and um, being angry with the, with the television station and with people, those people who called him to stop it because the language they like. And the, That's the idea also of exposing the pregnancy mm-hmm. of a student yeah. in public that time they, they wanted to keep it kind of under wrap even though it's a reality
2: mm-hmm.
0: and before either the raster impregnating omega should be um done there it was very controversial then mm-hmm. and it gave us a chance to take the play around the country and People wanted to see how it ended. So in 1979, we had the good fortune of taking it to, to UV and to of Spain and Capitol and to San Fernando and,
1: and so on. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Talking Plays with Playwrights with host Janelle Mitchell and co-host Angelo Lascelles. This week, we discussed the play The Ritual with playwright Zeno Obi Constance. And next week, we continue our conversation as we discuss a little more about The Ritual and other plays. Remember, tune in, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your tribe. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Theatre Convos.